What's up, family? This is Pastor Josh, and I want to welcome you back to Faith Charge, where it is our goal to strengthen and build up your faith. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the Word of God. And so I got a word for you today that I want to share with you. I want you to come back down memory lane with us uh, to when Faith Restored, the church I pastor, was just getting started. We we're having a service on Sunday nights called Faith Nights. And one of those Faith Nights, I preached a message entitled Damaged Goods, where I talked about the fact where many of us uh, have damage, whether it be from our own actions or from the actions of others against us uh, that have caused us to be scarred and wounded. And many times we feel because of our damage that we are unable to be used by God because people, when they see our damage, they want to throw us away. But we serve a God who does not throw away damaged goods. And so I want you to listen to this message, watch it and be encouraged by it. And I'll be back with you in just a second. Saying, son of man, make known to Jerusalem her abominations and say, thus says the Lord God to Jerusalem, your origin and your birth are from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your birth, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed with water for cleansing. You were not rubbed with salt or even wrapped in cloth. No, I looked with you on, no, I looked with pity on you to do any of these things for you, to have compassion on you. Rather, you were thrown out into the open field, for you were abhorred on the day you were born. But when I passed by and saw you squirming in your blood, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you while you were in your blood, live. And I made you numerous like the plants of the field. Then you grew up and became tall and reached the age for fine ornaments and your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Then I passed by you again and behold, you were at the time for love. So I spread my skirt over you and covered your nakedness. And I also swore to you and entered it into covenant with you so that you became mine, declares the Lord God. Then I bathed you with water and washed off your blood from you and I anointed you with oil. I also clothed you with embroidered cloth and put sandal, sandals of porpoise skin on your feet. And I wrapped you with fine linen and covered you with silk and I adorned you with ornaments and put bracelets on your hands and a necklace around your neck. I also put a ring in your nostril and earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. Thus, you were adorned with gold and silver and your dress was a fine linen silk and embroidered cloth. And you are fine flour, honey and oil. And you ate fine flour, honey and oil and you were exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. Then your fame went forth among the nations on account of your beauty, for it was perfect because of my splendor, which I bestowed on you, declares the Lord God. Amen. You can be seated.
I want to preach tonight uh, using as a subject for the next three weeks I'll be preaching from the subject damaged goods um, but for the first part I want to use a subtopic good news for the bruised amen good news for the bruised I think it'd be an honest statement to say that no one likes to deal with damaged goods as a matter of fact, we live in a culture that celebrates the brightest and the best, and at the same time, casts aside the battered, the bruised, and the broken. We have a disdain for things that are less than perfect, and we have trained ourselves to dismiss blemished things from our presence because it's hard to see the purpose and the beauty in damaged goods. But as quick as we all are to throw away things that are flawed and imperfect, the irony is that many of us are in this room tonight in pain because we have been thrown away by people because despite of our best efforts, we have been damaged by this thing called life. No one likes to deal with damaged goods. And I know we don't want to admit it because our culture places so much value on the appearance of perfection. But if we had a safe place that we could all be honest tonight, I believe we testify that we have all been scarred by the negative events of our lives. We have all had traumatic circumstances and because of that trauma, even though we look good on the outside, even though we are able to show up to work and to church and to small group and for the most part handle our business all of us in some way or another are damaged goods and what makes matters worse is that not only are we damaged but on top of that we are trapped in a prison of falsehood because we have we have to try to hide our damage from those around us because we're afraid that if they see how damaged we really are they'll walk away because no matter how much people claim to love you no matter how much they are attracted to you no matter how much they call you boo or or bae or bro or sis or mom or dad or son or daughter no one likes to deal with damaged goods but even though all of us suffer from damage and even though it is true that people are oftentimes unwilling to deal with us when they discover how damaged we are the beauty of our lives is that our future is not in the hands of people who could not handle our damage but our future is in the hands of an almighty God and God does not throw away damaged goods. We have all been damaged by life, by people, and even by our own poor decisions, and we all have issues in our life that cause people to want to count us out and to throw us out, but the, re but the redemptive reality of our lives is that no matter how bruised or beaten up we are, God does not throw away damaged goods. I wish somebody would help me tonight. It doesn't matter how messy up you are. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter how lonely you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been abandoned. God does not throw away damaged goods. As a matter of fact we are sitting in the building tonight saved and in our right mind as proof that God does not throw away damaged goods. I wish somebody would have church with me tonight. Is there anybody here that can testify that you should have been thrown away but you are here right now because 
because God does not throw away damaged goods. As a matter of fact, I can testify for myself. The reason I showed up to church tonight is because I'm grateful that God should have threw me away, but he kept me. God helped me. Oh God, some of y'all treat people like we treat damaged fruit and damaged goods in the grocery store when they have a scar on them and when they're not perfect, we want to throw them away. But the God that we serve is so good and so great and so awesome that he will hold on to damaged things and he'll love them until they get themselves together. Is there anybody here in the building tonight who can testify? I'm glad that God don't throw away damaged goods. Oh, God does not throw away damaged goods, but God sees our damage as an opportunity to display his love and his power so that he can get the glory even from damaged goods. And whether you know it or not, beloved, this is what Ezekiel is talking about tonight in our text. In Ezekiel chapter 16, God is retelling through the prophet Ezekiel Israel's history so that he can confront them with their sin. But before God confronts his wayward people, in verse 1 through 14, he tells a beautiful love story that shows God's redemptive heart for damaged goods. Ezekiel tells the story of how generations before the time of our text, God found a weak and a defenseless people that had no hope of survival on their own. But the Bible says that God in his sovereignty when everyone else had counted them out, called this people and set them apart from all of the nations of the earth to be his own prized possession. Ezekiel reminds them that they had been looked past and that they had been looked over and that they had been cast aside and overlooked by other nations because of their apparent worthlessness and everyone who saw them struggling in their infancy passed by them and ignored them but when God passed by he did not allow their damage to scare him away but he decided to stop in and do something about the damage that he saw and is there anybody here in the building tonight that's glad that God saw you God help me I don't know who I'm preaching to in here tonight but is there anybody here who gets joy when you are reminded of the reality that when others dismissed you because of the depth of your damage God looked down and he saw you God looked beyond your damage he looked beyond your trauma and God saw you God help me is there anybody here that's glad that God doesn't see your mess he sees you God saw you and not your issues God saw you and not your depression God saw you and not how many sex partners you'd had God saw you and not the broken home you were raised in or the statistics that were against you is there anybody here who is glad about the fact that when other people ignored you because of your issues when other people walked past you because they knew you were a hot mess when you were lonely and ashamed and praying that someone would notice you God saw you and because God saw you, beloved, hear me, that means that you can be free from the unhealthy need to be noticed by other people. Because your worth now is not determined by the ones who passed by, but your worth is determined by the reality that you were noticed by the only one who matters. God, help me. Oh, God, I want to encourage someone and let you know that it does not matter who ignored you before God passed by. Because when God passed by, everything changed. God help me and this is your testimony people had forgotten about you they had walked away from you they had counted you out they said you wouldn't amount to anything they questioned your calling and your character but when God passed by everything got better 
this means that now I can forgive people who overlooked me in the past because of my damage. As a matter of fact, it allows me to realize that sometimes rejection is God's way of protecting you from people who are unqualified to deal with your damage. And many of us tonight are sad because there are people who we wanted to love us and befriend us and mentor us, but they wouldn't come near us because they knew we were damaged. But I want to give you permission tonight to stop crying and thank God because if they had wanted you when you wanted them to want you, then they would have done nothing but make your damage worse. And this is the season where you got to learn how to thank God, not for the ones who stayed, but for the ones that kept on walking. God, help me. God, I thank you that she didn't give me the time of day. God, I thank you that he didn't ask me for my number. God, I thank you that they called off the engagement, that they put me out of the clique, that they disinvited me from the party, that they asked me to take a break from the ministry because if they had wanted me when I was damaged, I was so desperate for approval that I would have given myself too freely and they would have damaged me even more. But God, I thank you that you use rejection to protect me from people who could not handle my damage. God, help me. And it hurt me in the past, but I'm grateful for it now because it set me up to be seen by a God who is ready to respond to my damage. Look at somebody and say, he saw me. Yeah, he saw me, but not only did he see you, the Bible says that he did something about what he saw. Oh God, is there anybody here who's glad that you not only serve a God who sees you, but you serve a God with the power to do something about what it is that he sees. Because there are plenty of people who can see you hurting. There are plenty of people who can know and notice that something is wrong with you. But only God has the power to do something about what he sees. And can I tell you the kind of church that I'm praying that this will be? I'm praying that this will be a church filled with people who are crazy enough to believe that not only can God see the damage of the world, but that when God sees it, he will do something about what he saw. God, I know you see the damage. Now do something about it. God, I know you see the anxiety. Now do something about it. I feel like preaching. God, I know you see the condition of my marriage. Now do something about it. God, I know you see police brutality, racial profiling, over-policing, and mass incarceration. Now do something about it. God, I know. Lord, help me. You see that yellow-haired, orange-skinned, racist, sexist, xenophobic, misogynist, lying, colluding, treasonous, adulterer in that White House, dividing the nation with racially charged rhetoric, with the nerve to criticize gifted black men like Don Lemon and LeBron James by calling them unintelligent like a coward on Twitter. But I believe that you're God enough to do something about it. And in spite of the damage in us and in spite of the damage around us, God does not throw away damaged goods and God will not throw away a damaged world. God is ruler and he is redeemer and not only does he see but he has the power to do something about what he sees. And Ezekiel is sending a message to Israel and to us that it does not matter how messed up we are. We are not dealing with shallow and fickle human beings. We are dealing with a holy and a righteous 
righteous God and God does not throw away damaged goods. So the question becomes then, if God does not throw away damaged goods, what does he do with them? What does God do with damaged goods? I got two points and I'm in my seat. First of all, the first point is God deals with the damaged places in my life. God deals with the damaged places in my life. You got to understand, beloved, that when God accepts you in spite of your damage, he doesn't do it so that you can stay damaged, but he does it and embraces you in spite of your damage so that he can do the hard work of repairing your damaged places. It is the will of God, not simply for you to be accepted, but for you to be free. And if God is going to set you free, he can't allow you to remain in your damaged state, but he has to deal with your damage. But how does God, how does God deal with the damaged places in my life? Well, the text teaches us the process that God uses to deal with our damage. Because verses 6 and 7 says when God gets ready to deal with my damage, the first thing he does is God speaks life to my damage. Somebody say he speaks life. God help me. Oh God, that's the wrong person. Say it to somebody else on the other side. Say he speaks life. Oh God. In verse 6, God help me. I'm trying to hold it together. The prophet begins to tell the story of how God rescued Israel. And it's interesting how God starts the work of redemption because the Bible says that God passes by and sees a situation that is destined to die and commands it to live. God help me. You missed it. God sees a helpless and a hopeless and defenseless Israel struggling in the blood of their traumatic birth. There is no way that they can survive this situation on their own. But in spite of the impending reality of death, God looks at Israel and tells them to live. And if we would be honest tonight, that is not just Israel's story, but that's your story and that's my story. We are sitting here in our right mind because the God of heaven has a holy habit of looking at situations that were destined to die and commanding them to live. As a matter of fact, your marriage was dying, but God said live. Your career was dying, but God said live. Your dreams were dying, but God said live. You were dying. Sickness was tearing your body up, but God said live. And we need to learn to rejoice because we serve a God who speaks life over dead situations. As a matter of fact, we should be able to live with joy because it does not matter how bad our situations are. One word from the Lord can turn our situation around. God, help me. It does not matter how horrible you feel, how depressed or anxious you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been in it. If you feel like you're drowning in it, when God says live, your whole situation has to come in line with the will of God. That's why no matter what situations happen in my life, I am never defeated. I am never overwhelmed because I know that when God says live, everything in my life has to change. God, help me. Oh, God, I'm preaching in here. But God, God, help me. Not only does he speak life and cause me to live in a situation that I should have died in, but the text says that God, when he spoke 
spoke to Israel, the word that he gave them caused them to grow in spite of their damage. Oh God, the Bible says that he made them numerous like the plants of the field, that they grew up and they became tall and that they were fully developed even though when God saw them, they were damaged. And what I love about God is that it would have been enough for him to see me in spite of my damage and to speak life to me so that I wouldn't die in my damage. But then God allows me to grow in a situation that I should have died in. God help me. And is there anybody here who's grateful that God will use situations that were designed to kill you to make you grow? God help me. Can I tell you why I praise God tonight? I praise him because he'll do more than I expected. God help me. Oh I love God because he never ceases to blow my mind. Every time I try to get lost in depression or ungratefulness I remember that when I was when God found me I shouldn't have been alive. He spoke life to me and allowed me to continue but then he gave me life more abundantly. God help me. I don't know who I'm preaching to in here tonight but is there anybody here that knows that God will do more than you expected? Oh God some of y'all are sitting in here tonight with a marriage that you don't deserve. You just didn't want to be single. You didn't expect you'd be happy but God gave you more Lord help me than you expected. You lost some stuff. Lost some people. Lost some sources of income but now you're flourishing with less than you had. God help me before God does more than you expected but not only does God speak life to my damage God covers my damaged places because verse 8 says that after he speaks life to the dead situation and causes them to grow even in the midst of their damaged state God says huh, that he passed by them again oh Lord uh, I, I got to stop there uh, because if I rush past that too quickly, we'll miss the rhema that's in the passage. Uh, because not only does God pass by one time in verse 6 to start the work of restoration, but then when there is more work left to be done, verse 8 says he passes by again. God help me. Oh Lord. Uh, this is not a word for perfect people or for self-righteous folk who feel like they got it all together. Uh, maybe it took one pass to fix you. God help me. But I'm talking to some two-pass saints tonight. Uh, uh, some three-pass saints tonight. Some people that after God passed by once, he had to pass by. Oh God. Is there anybody here who's glad tonight that you serve a God that will pass by not once, uh, but he'll pass by again. God help me. And is there anybody in the building tonight who's real enough to admit that you need God to pass by again? God, help me. God, I still got some words in my vocabulary I'm trying to get out. Pass by again. Still got some habits in my life I'm trying to get rid of. Pass by again. Got some relationships that I need to cut ties with. Pass by again. But the Bible says that when God passed by and saw them, God noticed that they were naked. 
But instead of leaving them with their damaged places exposed, the Bible says that God stretches out his own garment and he covers them. God, help me. And is there anybody here who knows how to shout over the fact that instead of allowing the world to see how damaged you were, God, help me. God loved you enough to cover you. God, help me. We need to learn. Oh, God, we need to know that where we are right now is not not because we are holy, not because we are righteous, not because we've always done the right thing, but we are crazy and jacked up and trifling and instead of exposing us, God covered us. God, help me. Oh, Lord, is there anybody here tonight who can shout over the fact that he covered me? God, help me. You should know huh, all the mess that I've gone through in my marriage. You should know huh, all of the depraved thoughts that happened in my mind. You should know all of the things that I've been through that have jacked me up but I'm glad I serve a God that covered me oh God but that's not the blessing can I tell you what the blessing is the blessing is that in at the latter part of verse 8 the Bible reveals God's intention for the act of covering because the Bible says that God that God does not just cover Israel to make their sin a secret but God covers them as a sign that he has has established covenant with them. In other words, God does not just cover us to hide our sins, but he covers us as a sign that he has claimed us. God, help me. I'm covered because I'm claimed. God covers us so that every enemy, every devil, every liar, every person that would try to attack you will know that you belong to God. God, help me. And is there anyone here in the building who's happy tonight to know that you are his. In spite of your damage, you are his. In spite of how much liquor you drank, you are his. In spite of how much weed you smoked, in spite of how high, God help me, you got, you are his. In spite of the children you had out of wedlock, you are his. And God covers you so that the devil and anyone else who would draw attention to your damage can know that you belong to God. And as long as you are in covenant with God, your enemies can't have a problem with you without having a problem with him. Talk about me as much as you want to. Bring up my past if you want to. Make fun of the condition of my present if you want to. But I am his and there is nothing you can do about it. As a matter of fact, even Paul caught this revelation in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter what happens to you, no matter what's happening to you, and no matter what's happening around you, no matter how much, how damaged you are, you have been covered by an almighty God. And if the devil wants to get to you. He has to go through God to get you because you are covered by an almighty God. I wish y'all helped me preach it here tonight. But not only does God speak life to my damage, not only does God cover my damaged places, but verse 9, I got to move here, says that God washes away the residue of my damage. Verse 9 says that after God speaks life, 
after God covers. The Bible says that God washes away the blood that was on Israel when he found them in verse 6. Israel had survived the trauma of their birth and they had grown in spite of their damage. God had covered their damaged places and the only evidence that remains of what they had been through was the blood that God found them in. So to finish dealing with their damage, the Bible says that God takes the last remaining evidence of their damage and he washes it away. God help me. And when God is dealing with your damage, it is his desire to wash you so that you no longer carry the pain that came from your damage. Because if he doesn't wash you, the residue will infect the place of freedom that God is trying to bring you into. As a matter of fact, if we will be honest tonight, many of us can't move forward now because the residue of our damage is affecting every area of our lives. The residue is messing with your relationships. It's messing with your money. It's contaminating your decision making. And the reality is that we need to be washed so that we can be who it is that God is calling us to be. And the problem with most of us is not that we don't pray because most of us can't stop asking God for stuff. But the problem is we are stuck because we're asking God for everything except for what we really need. But before we ask God for a new relationship, before we ask God for a better job, before we ask God for a new car, for healing or prosperity or a greater anointing, we need to ask God to wash us. As a matter of fact, you won't be able to handle the thing that you're asking God for unless he washes you. You cannot go into destiny, hear me now, wearing the residue of your damage. If you're going to be who God has called you to be, then you gotta be washed. And the good news is, God help me beloved, we serve a God who is willing to wash us. God help me. If you ask him to wash you, he will wash you and make you clean. But not only does God wash us after the Bible tells us that God washes us in verse 9. Verse 9 goes on to tell us that God then, after washing us, anoints us. And he does this, beloved, to teach us that after deliverance comes deployment. God, help me. Huh. God does not save you so that you can be seated in church and brag about how saved you are. But God saves you and delivers you from your damage so that you can be sent to snatch somebody else out. God help me. As a matter of fact, one of the signs that you've really been delivered is that you make it your business to make the transition from being a consumer to a producer. God help me. When God has set you free, you make it your mission to make sure that everyone around you is free. And maybe the reason why you haven't been overwhelmed by a desire to see everyone around you delivered huh, is because you are still dealing with your damage. Huh? But when God sets you free, huh, he sets you free so that he can send you out. But not only that, huh, God anoints us after washing with us so that we can know huh, that there is no damage that is able to disqualify us from being used by God. God, help me. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't 
doesn't matter how long you've been in it. If you let God deal with your damage, he will wash you and he will anoint you and he will use you again. God, help me. As a matter of fact, that's why we got to be careful who we count out and who we write off and who we talk about and who we say God is through with and who we say isn't anointed anymore. Oh God, God is not done with a man or a woman until he declares he's done with a man or a woman. And the hope of the gospel is this, that God will wash away the residue of your damage. He will anoint you and he will use you again. And I want to encourage somebody in the building tonight that if you ask God, God help me, he will wash you and he will anoint you again. I know you thought it was over. I know you thought that your past disqualified you from being used that way. I know you thought that your present made it so God could not anoint you. But the devil is a liar. God said that if you ask me, I will anoint you and I will use you again. So then God deals with my damaged places. That's point one. Point two and I'm in my seat. Not only does God deal with my damaged places, but God transforms me from something damaged to something desirable. Yeah. Look at what he says. 10 through 14. You read it when you get home. It's showing us the picture of a bride being beautified for her wedding day. All of the things that Ezekiel outlines in verses 10 through 14 are part of the ancient Jewish ritual for preparing a bride for her wedding. And what God says is that now that I've dealt with your damage, I'm taking it a step further by transforming you from something that was bruised and battered to something that is now precious and whole. And this is God's heart for every person who can admit that they are damaged goods. Look here, the good news for the bruised is this. Once God deals with your damage, you will go from being bruised to being beautiful. God help me. This is why we cannot afford to reject God's process. Because even though it may seem like God is taking forever to deal with our damage, we've got to trust the fact that God will make all things beautiful in their time. And when we start to feel some type of way about the process, we have to comfort ourselves and say, I may be damaged, but in a little bit, it's going to be my time. And when it's my time, all of my pain, all of my bruises, and all of my damage won't matter because God is making me beautiful. Yeah. Hmm. But not only does the Bible say that God made them beautiful. Verse 14 says, hear me, that their fame went forth among the nations. Which means, Lisa, that God didn't simply make them cute. He made them famous. God help me. Because of everything that God had done in them, everyone who saw them wanted them. And when God moves us, here's the message, from being damaged to being desired, he will test us to see if we've truly been delivered. Because it's hard to know if you've been delivered when you're not desired. God help me. 
Some of us are faking deliverance because we don't have the opportunity to fall into sin. But true deliverance from damage is tested by how you respond when you get attention from people who desire you now but didn't want you when you were damaged goods. God help me. Because if you still desire the ones who rejected you before God found you, then you are not free. God help me. And too many of us have developed emotional and spiritual Stockholm Syndrome, God help me, where we still desire to be with the people who have abandoned us and damaged us, God help me. But the sign of the delivered person is the maturity to let them see you shining without them, but be so delivered from the desire for their affirmation that you know that they want you, but appreciate God too much to let them have you, God help me. But the reality is that there are so many of us uh, that are scarred by the rejection that we've experienced because of our damage that we will let our guard down because someone notices something in us now that God has seen the entire time and because we're so desperate for approval we will forget the God who loved us just to cater to people who ignored us when we were damaged goods. When God makes us desirable, if we are not delivered, then we can easily be seduced by compliments. You know, when you're insecure and God upgrades you, if you have not been delivered from your desire for affirmation, then the price of admission is too low. God help me. When people tell you how gifted you are, how how pretty you are, how anointed you are, how, how smart you are, they start asking you for your help and for your ideas and it makes you feel good about yourself. So you allow them into your space. But when you have been delivered, God help me, it forces you to raise your standards so that a compliment is no longer the price of admission. God help me. When you've been delivered, you remember that you have a daddy who loved you when you were damaged and if they want you then they've got some big shoes to fill I know I look good my daddy told me I know I'm gifted my daddy told me I know I'm called to the nations and that I'm anointed my daddy told me and if you want access to me you've got to go through him because he loved me when I was unlovable he saw me he spoke to me he washed me he made me beautiful when I was Damaged goods. God, help me. I got to quit. We're going to get in trouble tonight. I'm going to get an email in the morning. Uh, so we might as well have church. Uh, I remember I was getting married uh, seven years ago, almost seven years ago now, and I was sitting in a, in a pizzeria with one of the guys that was going to be one of my groomsmen, and he looked at me and he asked me, uh, he said, uh, why did you pick this one? I said, man, I've known you for a minute. We met 2008, it's 2011. I want to know why you're going to marry Teresa. And I looked at him and I said, man, I'll, besides the other stuff, because y'all know my wife look good. Uh, don't look too hard though. Uh, I said, outside of that, when I met my wife, I was homeless 
sleeping in a 2001 Ford Taurus in the winter in Omaha, Nebraska. Didn't have anything to my name. Didn't have, wasn't preaching nowhere big. Nobody knew me. I was trying my best to get along. Took my wife out on our first date and I told her I was going, you know, I was going to lie, try to run game like I had more than I had. And what happened was I broke down. I didn't cry, but I couldn't lie anymore. So I told my wife, I said, hey, I ain't got no place to stay. I'm broke. I'm sleeping in my car. Don't worry. I got dinner tonight. But after this, I don't know how I'm going to pay for anything else because I'm broke. And I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I understand if after tonight you don't want to hang out with me anymore because I really don't have anything to offer you. So we go through the rest of the night, have a wonderful first date. I take her home. And the next day, after she gets out of class, her, my phone starts ringing and it's her. And she says, hey, what you doing? I say, uh, nothing, sitting in my car. Said, well, come get me, let's hang out. And every day after that, I told her, literally, we have hung out every day since the day we met. And she did not allow the fact that I didn't have anything to offer to stop her from seeing beauty in damaged goods. And so if I'm gonna stick with somebody, I'm going to stick with the one who loved me when I didn't have nothing. Because I know that person can be trusted. And can I tell y'all tonight why I'm sticking with Jesus? I'm sticking with Jesus because when I didn't have anything to offer him, he was crazy about me. God help me. Is there anybody here who's glad tonight that you may not be married like me, but the lover of your soul is one who sees beauty in you even when you don't have anything to offer. God help me. Let's go to church now. Is there anybody here who's glad tonight that can testify that God don't throw away damaged goods? Oh, he should have threw me away. God, help me. But God, don't throw away damaged goods. God should have left me a long time ago. But God, don't throw away damaged goods. I should have been dead sleeping in my grave. But God, don't throw away damaged goods. I was sleeping around. God, help me. But God doesn't throw away damaged goods. People knew my reputation. I was a wretch undone. But God doesn't throw away damaged goods. And is there anybody in the building tonight who can testify that God doesn't throw away damaged goods? Grab your neighbor by the hand. I know y'all don't feel like having church, but this ain't for y'all now. It's for me. Grab your neighbor by the hand and say, neighbor, the reason I'm here tonight is because God doesn't throw away damaged goods. Is there anybody in the building tonight that can say, I should have been dead, uh, sleeping in my grave, uh, but God uh, doesn't throw away uh, damaged goods. Uh, you've been damaged uh, by depression, uh, but the Lord uh, doesn't throw away uh, damaged goods. Uh, he will uh, wash you. Uh, he will uh, speak life to you. Uh, he will uh, make your enemies uh, leave you alone. Uh, is there who can say God doesn't throw away damaged goods. Thank you, Jeremiah. I was waiting on you. Is there anybody here who believes it tonight that God doesn't throw away damaged goods? You can ask Abraham and Sarah, too old to have a baby, but they had Isaac and his 
rich man. Because God doesn't throw away damaged goods. You can ask Noah in the ark. The whole world was getting ready to be destroyed. But he saved Noah and his family alive. Because God doesn't throw away damaged goods. You can ask a prostitute, a harlot, a message aren't you glad that God does not throw away damaged goods wherever you are in life no matter how wounded you are no matter how damaged you are no matter what you've gone through no matter what people have done to you and no matter what you have done to yourself God does not throw away damaged goods and I'm excited about that that's actually the testimony of my life I am here because God didn't treat me like garbage but he loved me in spite of my trauma in spite of my pain in spite of my issues and I believe that he wants to do the same for you there is a calling an anointing on your life there is 
a person, a people that God has called you to reach and you feel like you can't do it because of everything you've been through, but God wants you to know that you are usable. He wants to use you. He wants to restore you and he wants you to be someone who can testify to somebody else. I am here because God doesn't throw away damaged goods. Can I pray for you? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray now for every person who has watched this message. I pray that you allow it, God, to resonate in their spirit, to take root in their heart and for them to be encouraged, God, in the midst of their issues and their trauma and their pain, that even though they might be damaged, they don't have to fear being thrown away because you are a God who does not throw away damaged goods. And God, if you can love us past our trauma, if you can love us past our pain, if you can love us past our open wounds and past our scars, God, then give us the power to love ourselves and to believe that we are still valuable because you said so. And God, I pray for anybody dealing with low self-esteem, anybody who deals with a poor view of themselves because of the trauma that they suffer. God, I pray that you build them up, that you wrap your loving arms around them, that you love them through that valley of low self-esteem, God, and bring them to a place of wholeness. And God, remind them that they will not be cast away. They will not be thrown away, but they will be loved in spite of. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, family, I love you. I'm praying for you. Do me a favor. Follow me on social media. If you're watching me on YouTube, go to Facebook and follow me at Pastor Joshua Eggerson. And if you're following me on Facebook, go to YouTube and subscribe to Joshua Eggerson. Also, follow Faith Restored so that you can be a part of what God is doing. And if you're in Jacksonville, there's no reason why you shouldn't be connected with this church. God is doing something awesome. So I want to see you in person as soon as we can meet again. As a matter of fact, email me at Josh at faithrestored.church so that I can know if this message and this content has been a blessing to your life. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again. I'll see you next week. Peace.